Hi, I'm Amy Wenslow, and my company, Products to Profits, specializes in working with new consumer products for large volume sales, whether that's through television shopping channels, retail stores, online sales. It can be a combination of all of those. And then we also work with clients that are getting ready to license their products and they want to maximize their royalties and have it be as smooth a process as they can. We've gotten some clients ready for people from Walmart, Target, Home Depot, Lowe's, all the way to QVC, HSN, um, some big Amazon sales. And when it comes to the licensing side, Procter & Gamble, Nestle, Black & Decker, Stanley, uh, gosh, who else? Some private individuals that, that then went on to build companies. So the perspective that you're hearing is actually not legal, okay, as far as I'm not an attorney. It's uh, completely legal to do, but I'm not an attorney. And so if you ask me anything related to intellectual property, the way that I'm going to answer the question is really from the standpoint of a product developer who specializes in sales and marketing of consumer products. So keep that in mind. Um, and one little legal piece that you need to understand. If you have not applied for a patent and you are, are wanting to do that, these calls could qualify as public disclosure of your invention if you share that information on the phone. If you give me the category of your product, um, there's a good chance I can just answer your question from that. So I'm going to talk a little bit here at the beginning about design for manufacturing, and then we'll move into some questions. And the design for manufacturing is a process that's come up recently, again, because we have several clients that went into this phase all at the same time. So we have about four that entered this in the past week. And <clears throat> design for manufacturing is not a phrase that everybody's even heard, much less that they understand. And with the advent of 3D printing, you know, it's amazing you can get a product um, idea out and figured out and kind of worked out how it basically works and get a working prototype. But there's a big gap that goes on because there's some misunderstandings about 3D printing and production of the product, meaning you're now going to go make 500 or 1,000 of something and all you have is a 3D printed model. A 3D print is what's called an additive process. And that means that material is built up layer by layer, so it's added on, okay? Additive. And then most of the production methods for, say, a plastic part is injection. And so think about it like additive processes are like when you are making a coil pot with ceramics and you're adding a coil of clay on top of the next one on top of the next one like that, right, to build the height and build the three-dimensional object. Well, with injection molding, it's more like you're taking molten plastic and you're, you're squirting it into a form that is the mold of your product, and then when the plastic cools, you take it out of the mold and you have your 3D product. So the reason that design for manufacturing comes up, particularly in unique ways when it comes to 3D printed items, is with 3D print, you can have undercuts. That's um, parts of a mold or a model where the material 
it's hard to explain without a visual on this, where there's, um, say, a straight wall of plastic and then a bend, and when you try to mold that, for injection molding in particular, you can't do it that way because you can't pull the mold apart. And if you can't pull the mold apart, you can't get your plastic piece out and you defeated the purpose. So design for manufacturing gives you a couple of um, areas to look at. When you are moving into design for manufacturing, it's usually you have your prototype done and now you're going to scale up like I talked about, right? It's a really exciting time. And you go to the manufacturer and they say, okay, wait, we have to redesign this part a little bit. We have to think about does it come apart this way or that way. And so they're looking for a couple of things. They're looking, first off, can they get it out of the, the tools after they make it or not? If they can't get it out of the tool, they have to redesign how it's constructed so that the mold can come apart. And you can have molds that may have three parts to them. So they've got a little insert and some of those things. But the tooling gets more expensive. So depending on the shape that you've designed in 3D CAD and in your 3D printing, you might have to redesign your shape. Um, it's pretty common to be seeing that right now, um, especially if you're working with people that are not experienced in your 3D printing and they're not experienced in actual production because you can make a lot of things in 3D printing that you can't really produce in mass. So understand that. So when you are looking at your design for manufacturing, you're going to see some changes and some things happen. Sometimes with electronic products, when you go to design for manufacturing, you can shrink the size of the electronic product because you can create your own circuit boards, um, solder wires differently. You, the form factor, the exterior shape can shrink if you want it to. Usually with working prototypes, they're kind of uh, rust. They're, they can be a bit ugly and uh, have some duct tape on them, and you'll see people going, well, you know, think about it over here. It does this, and sort of an imagine, if you will. So when you go into design for manufacturing, the manufacturer is looking to optimize the process of assembling your product. And so they're going to look at the sequence of steps that it takes to assemble it, how many parts it is, and they're going to look to engineer it so that it takes fewer parts if possible and because that lowers the breakage of the product over its life and it also lowers your assembly cost. So if you can eliminate some parts, if it's a really complex thing, you can eliminate some parts and it'll lower your cost of goods, which lowers your price. So you want that to be happening. You also want to look at how can you use your material better. So say, for example, you're doing a fabric product and you're looking at the yardage of goods. Optimizing your material would mean well, can we rotate the pattern so that the you can get more pieces out of the same piece of cloth? Like maybe you can get more items to, to be able to be produced from your yard goods. Super cool. Um, and so when you go from a prototype, you're going to go through design for manufacturing, and they're going to be looking to, like, let me recap, they're going to look to lower the number of parts if they can, make it smaller, more compact item, 
maybe make the design look cooler um, and optimize the process of producing your product, okay? So that you have lower cost per item and that it lowers the breakage of the product as well. So after the design for manufacturing, you actually end up with production-ready designs and tooling that can actually be made. So it's a big piece of the process, and a lot of people don't even know it exists. They think they go from prototype straight into production. Some products you can, and if you've been working with good product designers, that's a higher percentage of your product can do that. Even good product designers, though, they're going to produce like the concept, the working prototype, to get that stuff going. And then when it goes into production, there's kind of an engineering piece that has to happen. And it's pretty common, especially if your project is complex. If your item's complex, you're going to see more of this needed. It doesn't have to be you know, crazy expensive, and it doesn't have to take a long time. But I want you to know that it's there because it can be very frustrating when you think your product is fully finished and you hit the speed bump of, oh, you got to re-engineer part of it or you got to redesign part of it. And so I, I want to make sure to mention this because we have clients that are going through this. After you have your production-ready designs, meaning they've gone through some engineering, you know that they can be made, that's when you can actually start placing test production orders and getting production samples. Okay, so you have to do this other piece first. And it allows you to be looking at how can we make this better, okay? It's particularly important, like I've said a couple times now, for more complex projects. If it's just a plastic injection thing that you're making, and it's really simple, very straightforward, like, you know, a cup or something, then usually you won't have this problem. But if it's um, something new, like a lot of you are doing, it can be an issue that you don't expect, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and take a look at our phone line and see if anybody's got questions. If you have a question, press star 2 to raise your hand, and that will let me know that you've got one there. So, okay, I see we've got a question from Florida. It's uh, a caller ending in 3717. Hi there. What's your question? Hi, it's me, Pam French. I figured it might be you, Miss French. What's your question well, today? My question is, have you ever heard of Mr. Checkout, a distributor? Mr. Checkout? Yeah. No. No. Okay. That's odd. That doesn't... Um, it, is this well, something it, I can Okay. It, it, you know, uh, Pam, that doesn't mean anything. There's so many distributors and so many people in business. But okay. where are they located? Um, here in Florida, in Oneida, Florida, or Nato or something like that. Um, and it mm -hmm. appears that they sell or they they may be a group of independent distributors, but I submitted mm -hmm. my product and they are going to review it on the 29th. So... Um, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. I just didn't know awesome. if you'd ever heard of them, and and uh, no, is that how you no, I haven't. Uh, you know, the reality is there's so many people, like I just said, that you know they could be amazing and fabulous, or that might be a parent group of a bunch of independents. It's hard to tell. How did? I, weren't you doing 
Shark Tank recently? Um, no, I actually went a couple of years ago now um, to Miami and auditioned for Shark Tank, but I never heard anything from them. Uh, I, got haven't, it. I haven't sent in a video or anything like that. I honestly think that you probably get a better chance of getting the attention you need if you do a video because they have your video mm-hmm. and they can take their time. Where where we were, they were very, they were rushing us. And I yeah. literally only had like two minutes with the person, so. Got it. Oh, you know what? I know what it was I saw. I saw on Facebook that you were doing, um, you were shipping a fairly large order. Right, to Camping World. Yep. I got the order shipped in. So uh, they said they'll keep me updated um, at the sales. Um, So I I shipped to two distributors, and then they were going to be shipping to, or, you know, distributing to the stores. So, yep, that was a good one. Yeah, it was just a couple weeks ago, right? Yep, yep. Actually, like, on the day of my five-year anniversary, so... It seems like it's taken awesome. a long time, but but at least finally something's happening, you know. So we'll see what happens. Well, I love that, and thank you so much for supporting these calls. I know that you you send out little Facebook Facebook shoutouts for us, and you know it means a lot to me. Thank you. Oh well, you're very helpful, so I'm glad to do it. Oh, you're cool. You're so cool. There's a chance that I might be coming to Tampa soon too. Oh wow! Cool. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That would be so. great. Oh, perfect. Cool. Well, I'm going to mute your line for your privacy. I see Dina called back in, so i got to see what the heck okay. she what, – what the question is today. Um, hey, Dina, what is your question? Hi, I'm sorry. I don't know at what point I got disconnected, so I'll just start over. <laughs> but um, my question okay. is more along the lines of um, the, the, the title, the job title of the person that you would use – in designing um, a product that for the design for manufacturing process, would it be an engineer? You may have said, and I may not have heard because my phone's been cutting out. Got it. It could be you could be looking at a product designer. You could be looking at an engineer. It depends on the project. Okay, so I want to say that for everybody on this call, depending on if you. If you're looking for DFM to be done on an electronics project, you're probably going to see DFM, um, and it would be under electrical engineering, for manufacturing. And you want to be really clear that you're looking for somebody for when you're going into manufacturing, you know, you need that. Now, for your product in particular, the DFM phase would probably be done by your manufacturer. Okay. okay. The plastic part on your item, that's going to be something that should be able to be done in the product design process. Okay? And then the factory is going to look at how to optimize the fabric and some of these other parts. But it's just really important because a lot of people think that, oh, I have my prototype, you know, it's like push button. I can just, you know, the factory is just going to kind of push the button and go. But they have to go through this stage. And so... It's usually done in tandem with the factory. Okay. So even if it's not internal to the factory and you're working with electrical engineers on an electronic product, then the engineer would be working with the factory most likely. Okay. So it's kind of a hand in plus. On yours, it's probably going to be mostly factory internal. You're not going to need to. So do you? Factory. 
you think then it's um, it's still essential to do this like a 3D printing phase, even though it's it's more just for trial and error to make sure that the type works, or do you think just when I get to that phase, I'll go through that with the with the manufacturing company? Well, I know that we're going to be working in the product success program with you, so um, we will be involved in that and. The engineers, the designers that I'm going to be hooking you up with today um, are actually people that will already be looking at the manufacturing ability, okay? Okay, perfect. So Thank you. In, instead of getting people that are really beginners in 3D printing, you're going to get people that are experienced and that okay, think great. manufacturing, okay? Perfect. Thank you so much. It will you're welcome. It will be a shortcut for you to actually go through the 3D printing that way. All right? Okay, great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm going to meet your line for your privacy. And I see we've got a couple more questions coming in. So there's one from a phone number ending in three, uh, sorry, 4737 from New York City. Hi there. What's your question? Hello, Amy. How are you doing today? This is Anthony from EA Doorknobs. I'm getting into manufacturing my idea, and I would like to know, do I use one manufacturer to make everything? It depends on where the manufacturer is located and what their capabilities are. So for everybody, when you are manufacturing a product, sometimes strategically, if you're manufacturing in a foreign country, you would want to have two separate factories doing different parts and one place assembling them both. Um, or sometimes even overseas, that may already happen. You know, like they may be subcontracting a part. It sounds like you're talking about it from a, from a protection and security standpoint. Is that right? That also, but as far as, if I was, if we was to make some parts in China and make some parts in America, mm-hmm. when when we put it out there, do we put made in China, made in USA? You know, um, some of these, you know, you see some of these products they put they put made in China, made in USA, and I'm learning that even though that there are some parts that are made overseas, if you put it put it together over here in the U.S., you could made in USA. Is that so? That's not a best practice. Um, okay. And this is, an, a, this is a question we go through quite a bit when we're doing packaging for clients. And so you can say assembled in the U.S. Okay. You know, made in China, assembled in the U.S. is not the same as claiming made in America. Um, All right. And so there's there's legal standard about how what percentage of product of the product itself needs to be made here, et cetera, to be able to clean that. If you're doing any parts from overseas, it's pretty common to have some parts be from one country and some parts be from another, um, and then to do assembly somewhere. So we have a client that's actually doing that because of costs, and they have part of it coming out of China and part of it coming out of um Taiwan, and then it's assembled in the U.S. Okay. So sometimes it's for shipping costs. Sometimes it's for 
protection of not wanting one factory to know the whole deal of what you're doing. All right. Um, and other times it's it's straight up just, hey, you know, this factory can't make that kind of item. They only make the plastic part. They don't make the other part. Like, okay, they don't enough. have the machinery. Okay? Thank, thank you very much. Sure. You're welcome, Anthony. And for everybody on here, thinking through – I'm going to mute your line, Anthony, so you've got privacy. But for everybody, when you're thinking through this, you're thinking through the logistics of how your project comes together when you're in production volumes, okay? And we do a lot of this. We had one item um, that I worked on one time, and, you know, we made – this was way long ago. We made a decision um, because – a previous product had been made with using five vendors to assemble things into this kit just because of, you know, where the products, the parts needed to be coming from. And it was a nightmare. I mean, five vendors in a product is too many. You know, typically you want to see less than three. And the reason I say it was too many is because any one vendor having a slowdown or a stoppage or a shipping issue to your assembly place means that your whole order is delayed. So you really have to babysit it if you have a lot of vendors, and it's more overhead than most people want to do as far as the operations go. So just a little point there. I know we've got another question from somebody from a web call, and it looks like it's here in California. Hi, this is Amy. What's your question? Hi, I don't know if it's me that you're uh, talking to. It is. Ah, all Hi. right, Amy. What's, what's um, your name? My name is Carlos. Uh, I, I thought I, 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 I uh, typed it at the beginning of the call. Um, I, I had the pleasure of meeting you at one of the meetups in Pasadena. We worked. Uh, it was great oh, yeah. uh, to hear you talk there. Uh, I want to follow up on a, on a question from earlier uh, today. Uh, and it comes to, uh, uh, when it comes to the design, so I had an idea a couple of years back, and uh, I started the process with a company called uh, Idea Studio or something. They're off in Florida. And, you know, when, when you're new, when you have an idea, you don't know how to do it, so you contact the first person that pops up on the Internet that has decent reviews. So what I did is I started with them. They did a check on patents. There weren't any, so they, they, we started the process. And the, they started with the design. I liked it, the way it looked. The, pro- the problem I had was uh, that question, is it going to work? I-, I mean, yeah, it looked as if as a product I had envisioned, but I didn't know that it was going to work because it had some electrical functionalities. So I got discouraged because the person kept on telling me, yeah, well, it would work, but that, I mean, but they would base it upon my idea that I originally had. So that is, my, you know, I got discouraged and I stopped the process about a year ago. Until now, I, I, I you know, I, I, this is my second call with you, and this is the first time I actually have the uh, the guts to ask you, how, how would I go about that process and perhaps restarting the process because I don't think that uh, that the pro- product, the way it is designed, would work, or I don't know that it would. Well, knowing that it won't work and knowing that it will are two different things. Okay, so Carlos, first, it's really common that, yeah, when you see it on a computer screen, someone's done what's called computer-assisted design. It's basically a really nice, pretty picture, but you don't have a working prototype yet. 
um, you kind of have to do a little gut check of like, okay, are you willing to go forward to make a working prototype? And 3D printing is a great way to start that for plastic pieces. But when you have electrical, you have to kind of think about it like, well, maybe there's a part from this thing that I can take or a circuit board from this other thing or, you know, Bluetooth sensors from a third place that you can kind of put together and test the theory of it, of how it works. And and then you want to kind of marry that into the plastic part that, that was created, okay? So you have to just kind of move forward and, and you have to test it in as low cost a way as you can um, to know that the concept works. And so that's the process of getting to a working prototype. So you've gone through design, like the concept stage, right? Now you're moving into get a working prototype from the get a working prototype is when you move into the design for manufacturing piece. I think that it's how can you, is do you see anything out there that's like it that you could maybe, you know, collage together and, you know, do some lead soldering to get the electronics to work like you think they would? I, I think there is. I just I just wouldn't know where to start to to get that those things. Mm-hmm. Like that makes sense. Yeah, there's there's some great electronics parts store, and if you're looking to just test little sensors kind of stuff, you could use you know a little bits kit from you know Fry's Electronics and and start to put those together. Um, to test the concept of how the the item would work. It's not that you're going to necessarily use those when you go into production for sure, but it would get you some electronic pieces that work together. Sounds good. And those those kits are pretty cheap too. I mean, I think I saw them for like 200 bucks. If you're thinking about, you know, how do you do plug and play electronics and you're not an electronics person, that's how I would start it because I'm not an electronics person. But All right. Is that cool? Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Yeah, I know Fry's carries the little bits kits. You know, go look, go look and see if there's anything that might have some of what you're doing, so you can at least test. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Amy. You're welcome. I'm going to meet your line for your privacy, and we've got a question coming in on the webcast about whether the call is being recorded and it's going to be available later. We do record the calls. We do not immediately post the recordings because I found, quite frankly, when we did that, that hardly anybody went back and listened to the recordings. Everybody seemed to want to be on them live, and so we didn't um, see the the upside of going through putting them up and putting them out and doing all that. Um, some of the calls, when they're really popular, we have turned them into blog posts and put them over on our blog, so you can see... Uh, a summary of talking points and a little blog article about most of the calls over on our blog, and then we attach the recording to that blog post. So the blog is products, P-R-O-D-U-C-T-S, two, which is T-O, profits, P-R-O-F-I-T-S dot com slash blog. And you'll see on that web page, you can just see the whole list of, of what's been put up recently. I know we've got the Social Media Week interview I did with Jeff is up. Um, there's a ton of content over there. So just check out the blog. 
Um, and let me go back to our webcast real quick, see if anybody else has a question there. We've got time for one more question. I think that will do it. If you're on the phone you have one more question, press star 2. That will raise your hand. Let me know that, you're, that you want to ask something. Okay, great. Well, with that, we are going to wrap for today. And uh, looking forward to speaking with you. We do have space for a few more clients, um, not a lot of spaces. So if you want to work with us one-on-one, -on -one, we're available for that. And I would love to serve you and move your projects forward. You can contact the office. And uh, we'll put the recording for this up most likely, I would say, late this week. So take a look. I know, Todd, you were interested in that. With that, everybody, have a great two weeks, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.